Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the You Should Run podcast. I'm Tony Heil, council member in Bridgeport, Pennsylvania, right outside Philadelphia. And if you have listened to the podcast, and I hope you have, you know that I've spoken with people from across the country at all levels of government, from borough council like myself to U.S. Senate here in Pennsylvania with Senator Casey, uh, and prothonotaries, state legislators, et cetera, et cetera. And like I said, we've talked to people from every state Uh, including recently talking to a new friend of mine from Florida, which is a state that is always in the news. That was Alexandra Ayala. Um, I think I mispronounced it again already, Um, who is on school board in Palm Beach County. Uh, But I was excited and interested to see my new guest, who is running for legislature in Florida. His name is Michael Harvey, and we're going to learn more about, like, what got him to join politics, to run for office, and maybe if you're listening, uh, you will be inspired by him to also take the leap and consider running in the months and years to come. So, um, Michael, welcome to my podcast. Good good morning, good morning. I'm more than happy to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. It was really, really gracious of you. Yeah, so um, I am ex- interested to hear from you. Uh, Florida is not so much a state as like a country with a lot of states, right? Like it is... <laughs> You know, there's Tampa, there's Palm Beach, there's Duval. I don't know. There's so many places. Um, where Where are you from? Um, from the northern part, Tallahassee, migrated down to Tampa. Been in the Tampa Bay area for oh my gosh, probably about fifteen years now. Mm-hmm. Um, you're right. We should call it the United States or the United Counties of Florida versus the state of Florida because you can go to Duval County, County, in North Florida. And still feel like you're in South Georgia, as to where you go down to South Broward in Miami, and you feel like you're in New York. Um, same state, completely different, completely different makeup. Yeah, I know from my experience knowing people from Florida, like some will say, "Oh, this part of Florida is the quote unquote the South. This part is not the South. This part is like mid, right?" So I think people love to comment about Florida because everyone's always dunking on it, fairly or unfairly. But it's yeah. not a homogenous state by any stretch of the imagination. Definitely. And Tampa, we are, we're considered central Florida, but we're really more like the gateway to South Florida. Mm-hmm. So we have a South Florida feel than we do of a Northern Florida feel. Mm-hmm. But we're right in where North meets South. We're that central I-4 corridor that everyone always talks about. That's, that's Tampa. So that's where you are. Also, that's where WrestleMania was this year. One of the first like big events that um, you know had a crowd this year early on, uh, and you know it's kind of those things where there's no going back on the pandemic in a way, right? Like no matter what some people on the left or right or whatever want to say, like oh we should do this or that. I think the fact that we've had all these big events this year, regardless of the spread of COVID. Um, it seems like there's there's no willingness to go back because people are so eager to just do things like WrestleMania. Uh, yeah, and I, I echo those sentiments. And um, I think part of that is the echo chambers and the tribalism that we've all been accustomed to mm-hmm. over the last uh, several couple of uh, midterm and presidential election cycles. And it also is... A, ingrained sense of freedoms do not come with responsibilities, mm-hmm. um, which 
framers of the Constitution ever had that in mind. We do have unalienable rights um, granted to us, but all those rights come with responsibilities. And um, with those responsibilities, I believe, as a as a as a as a as a patriot, as a good American, um, this country was founded on looking out for each other. Uh, look at the the Minutemen, the militia, uh, neighbors looking out for neighbors, farmers looking out for for neighborhoods. So um, we all have to be conscious, and we're we're in this thing together. Um, most recently, uh, it came to my front door. I got a call from one of my kids' school. Um, I'll, I'll never forget it. It was eight forty-two p.m. Um, said that your child had got tested. Uh, your child had come in exposure with another child that tested positive for COVID, and my immediately sank. I ran vector temperature. It was over hundred degrees, which is she normally runs about ninety-seven. So she's got yeah. something going on. So we get it tested, and it came back positive. Um, within 12 hours, my son's school called and said that he had been exposed. We, so a couple hours later, we reperformed the same drill. He came back tested positive and they go to two different schools. Mm. So the fact that, you know, people say it's a personal freedom and I, I do, it, it is a personal freedom and it is a personal choice. But if you don't get that vaccination, you are making a choice to make yourself more susceptible to hospitalization and death. And you're also making 12-year-olds that don't have the choice, or not 12-year-olds, I'm sorry, 11-year-olds and under that do not have the choice to get the vaccine. You're making them more vulnerable through no fault of their own. Yeah, and how are your kids doing? Are they feeling okay? They're, you know, COVID is a cruel, cruel disease. Um, my my six-year-old, the one that we got the call for that night, um, she went to the ER the next month. Oh, my goodness. Her oxygen, blood oxygen levels were way, way too low. Um, put her on pure oxygen. She never had to get a ventilator. She spent a very short amount of time in the uh, in the ER, and she came self-care. Um Roller coaster days, she'd have, you know, a period of seven or eight hours, no temperature, she's looking normal. Then she turned green, her temperature's, you know, back to 101 or something weird like that. Now she seems to be on the mend. My 11-year-old, who you think, you know, he's he's a male child, he's a little bit older, you think he'd, he'd take it a little bit better. And it was the total opposite. Although he never ended up in the emergency room, just the way that he's feeling. Um, it's like a a severe bout of flu pulled with me and ran over by a car. I mean, mm-hmm. he's just around like the walking dead. His temperature uh, kept fluctuating and both of them had another side effect that I hadn't heard associated with COVID before. Um, both of them kind of suffered from tachycardia where their resting heartbeats were just, uh, you know, I, I, at one point I thought my son was going to end up in the ER. He had a resting heartbeat of 178 beats per minute. Wow, and for someone as young and as fit as he is, he's not—he's not an obese child. He's very lean. Um, for someone as young and as fit and athletic he is, that is a very high. That's probably higher than when he's, he's sprinting. Mm-hmm. So that was very alarming. But they both seem to be on the mid now. The heartbeats have gone down, temperatures have gone down, and hopefully in the next couple of days they'll test negative, so they can—they're uh, no longer shedding virus. Yeah, it's. I mean, I have a seven-year-old and a five-year-old and they are starting their their school year officially starts in a couple days which will be before this podcast goes up so hopefully everything goes well there but 
Um, you know, they have, okay. thankfully, where we are, like, people here in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania are pretty well vaccinated. The teachers in their school are all vaccinated, and they have a good masking good. system at the school. So, but I know, like, they've been at camp and pre-K this summer, and they're like, oh, this one girl, um, she was coughing and sneezy, and, like, I don't have any hair left to pull out. Like, I like, are you okay? Like... I would stay away from her. I, I, I don't want to tell my kids to stay away from any kid, but in that instance, I'm like, please, 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 we don't want you to ever get to get sick with this. It's 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 the normal. I think we, you know, a lot of the people that were alive during the um, the 1918 flu, they're no longer with us, and I think unfortunately we didn't carry those lessons from that from that pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, carry those throughout the generations once that generation kind of got over and it was also too. you look at the 1918 flu um we were just coming off of world war one which was you know at that time the most horrible thing that we've been through as a country since the civil war um the, the roaring 20s came into effect america was at a time of great economic pr- prosperity so getting be getting the pandemic behind them I think was more important than remembering the pandemic and pushing those lessons that they learned forward. Mm-hmm. So I hope that we don't fall into that same, that same mindset of we're so ready to get past it that we forget the lessons that were learned while we're still in it. And we're so very much still in it. We're, I don't, I don't even know at this point uh, if we're halfway through. Well, and it depends- I would say maybe it depends on what it in it is, you know, like um, there's evidence, strong evidence that people who have gotten COVID um, have strong protections for later, especially if they get COVID and get vaccinated. You know, I, I'm, you know, I, I feel more hopeful because we have the vaccines, billions of vaccine doses have gone out. Like there's, we're going to have to live with it to an extent, but you know, there's reason to think that things are going to be better sooner than, you know, we would have thought a year ago. That's for sure. Um, but you didn't get into deciding to run for office based on your children right now. Like your children's right because you decided to run weeks ago, months ago. Um, what when when did you first get inspired to be active, not just to run for office yourself, but have you always been politically minded? Um, that's a very interesting question. Um, there's two parts to that question. Um, when I was a child or not child, when I was, a, a an adolescent, I was very active in student government mm-hmm. and in high school, I ran for class president, I ran for student body president. And then once I got my, uh, you know, once you started college, I quickly learned that I don't want to have anything to do with politics. <laughs> so I can that stuff behind. I, I didn't want to have anything to do with politics. And then, you know, I started having my career. I started building, uh, building up my businesses. I have three transportation businesses and a, a small book publishing company. Um, got busy trying to make a dime, trying to raise a family and, um, you know, being running for the last thing on my mind. And then, uh, 2016 happened and, I saw certain events starting to unfold around me and around my friends and around my community um, to where before, before that period of time, 
you were not identified by your political party. You were identified by Joe or Mike or, or, or Sharon or whatever your name was from the grocery store or from work or from the library or wherever you met that person from. It wasn't, oh, there's Mike the Republican or Joe the Democrat or, or what, what, what have you not. I, I, I started to notice that everyone was really picking a side and becoming entrenched. And I didn't like the trajectory of my state. I didn't mm-hmm. like where we were going. So one day I was having, I mean, there's several different things that inspired me to run. Um, but what really sealed the deal one time, I was speaking with someone of the opposite political party. Didn't know it at the time, but just talking to a guy at a dinner. Uh, we were all sit- seated at a table together. It was the first time I met him. And we had an amazing conversation, probably lasted two or three hours long, and it spanned the globe and time. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, at the end of that conversation, he just pulls out this little, uh, pulled out a cell phone, showed me this website, and showed me that he was running for office as a, as a prominent Republican. And I was amazed. I said, you know what? This gentleman and I were able to sit across each other and have a meal, have a decent meal. I have a bad word exchange. We agreed on 99% of the things that we were talking about. And this gentleman's from a different party from mine. This is the way that things used to be. What can I do to get things back that way? And I wrote him a check that, that next day, I believe, um, to, support, to support his campaign because I believed in the man more so than mm-hmm. I believe in any person's party. He sold me on him because he was talking to me about his life, his experiences before politics ever came up. That that sounds great. When was that? Because, you know, I was just, like, not that meeting, but like... That, that, that happened in 2019. Well, no, but I mean, I don't mean that meeting. So I'm reading a book about the... Uh, called Reign of Terror by Spencer Ackerman, talking about the um, you know the twenty years we've been involved in the fighting. Not Afghanistan. It was never about fighting Afghanistan. It was about the war on terror, which is nebulous. And while at one point, I mean, there was even Glenn Beck was famous for saying, "Oh, let's go back to to nine twelve when we were all united." Like, we're, like the country was united for like a minute and a half. You know, George Bush, George W. Bush was. Uh, had a 55% approval rating maybe a week before then, and then 95% approval rating, and then it went down. You know, it was either you're with us or you're against us type of thing. But it it does seem like that clash has been there, but it just got very worse, worsened and distinct after Donald Trump started running for office. Does Is that fair to say maybe, especially in a place like Florida, which is so... Um, Unique. That's that's a very fair assessment. Uh, I, I believe this the seeds of sentiment that you're speaking on. It really goes back to the 2010 midterms. Mm-hmm. It's when that that sea change really started to be mm-hmm. uh, more subtle. Then uh, it wasn't as loud and overt as it became in 2016. Um, starting in 2010, it just Kind of became something that you were aware of and that made you feel a little bit uncomfortable at times. After 2016, people start saying and doing things that start to give you a physical response. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's when it really became real. 
And from 2016 to 2019, the seed had just been growing and growing. I've, I've been more and more active, um, you know, going to more, learning more about how my party, my local party was working, um, helping other people, donating as much as I can, helping other people, um, you know, with little, with little small local races and um, just really wanting to be a part of the process. Um, but in 2019, I realized that you can be behind the scenes as much as you want. Um, but at sometimes, I guess you, as my grandmother would say, you'd have a, a coming to Jesus moment where enough people tell you, you know, put up or shut up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I've, you know, heard, but, I've heard that phrase many times from my mother, yes. So that it, um, <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I feel bad in a way, but also not sure if I should feel bad. Like if I see someone's bumper sticker and it's got some Trumpism to on it, because there's so many, I, I don't have any bumper stickers on my car uh, of any kind, but just, um, cause it's a new car and I like it. <laughs> so, um, but I'm no bumper stickers of, of anybody. I don't have any stickers on my car. I don't care what people put on. I mean, I, but, but I see someone and they have a, um, pro Trump thing or MAGA or whatever. I can't, it, it's hard for me to look past that because it doesn't, it, to me, it's not like, oh, they like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which of course is also a problem to me, but, uh, <laughs> but like, it's, um, it's more, I mean, that's an identity that you're, you're, that's a choice, right? Like if, if Tony Heil decides that they're going to, I'm going to support this, that, that's a willing choice I'm making, not to support a sports team or a favorite movie or TV show, but to support something that I find to be not just like a modest difference of opinion. Yeah. If, if you see, if you see someone with that stance, you guys are definitely probably on polar opposite sides of the political spectrum. But if you look at the core values that we have in common, we're, we're nearly identical. Mm -hmm. um, Trump supporters, they want good health care for their children. They want terrific education for their children. Mm -hmm. um, they paycheck. They like clean air and water, too. Mm -hmm. um, if they elect, don't put those policies in place. If you take a poll of them, they want pretty much the same thing as a good majority of the Democratic Party. Unfortunately, I think when it comes to Trump supporters, the biggest disconnect is between Trump and his supporters. Mm -hmm. um, a champion and the things that his supporters actually want don't often align. But what does align is their anger. Yeah. And what you have to the legislator, what you have to get past is that anger. I had to really sit down and I've had this conversation with myself several times that, you know, if the citizens of Florida elect me as the, the District 20, I have to legislate for everyone. Mm -hmm. And that's not something that you say on a stump. That's not a campaign slogan. That's how you really have to feel in your heart. So I had to try to really dig deep, and I spent a lot of time in what people would call the, the opposition territory, asking questions, going to places I know where there's, there's Trump supporters, mm -hmm. and just saying, what, what makes you work? What's your driving force? Why are, you, why are you angry? Or what makes you happy about being a Trump supporter? Mm -hmm. And then learning that, and then learning how to tie that 
into my overall message of inclusion and governance for fair governance for everyone is is one of my driving factors uh, and to to a, gr a great extent I remember growing up. I remember being able to get up. If, if you had a bike growing up, it was like, I come from very, very, very humble beginnings. Mm -hmm. uh, my mom, um, she couldn't afford to raise me, so she had to join the army, and I'd live with a, a good portion of my life with my grandmother uh, until my mother was able to come back and we would get on base housing. I was an army brat. And I lived everywhere. But if you had a, a bicycle, man, you, you, you might as well have a heart. Davidson, mm -hmm. man, we drove those all over town and now you know my children can barely leave this compound um i want to get things back to the way that they used to be uh as much as we can i know we have a new normal now whatever that means but i want to get things back to the way that they were before we became so deeply in, uh, in our own echo chambers you know sometimes you turn on one news channel and they're saying one thing and then you turn on another cable news channel and they're completely contradicting everything the other cable news channels used to say. I remember back when news channels used to be trusted organizations. It didn't matter which one of the major three networks, you know, way, way back in the day, right. before C and, and Cape and Fox News, you had the three major networks. And they were all pretty much lock, sync, and step. You know, they reported on the issues of the day from no particular lens, no partisan lens. Yeah, plus you only really watch the news for like 30 minutes in a day. You didn't, like, people will sit there and, like, from all sides, like, you're right, like, my, I love my parents, but they, when I'm there visiting them or they're here, they put on MSNBC and, like, you, you have a hundred other channels. Like, I use cable to watch professional wrestling, hockey, and the Food Network, like, or the Olympics this year. Like, I like, I watch as little news as possible, though I follow it, of course, on social media and other things. Yeah. I'm a Smithsonian junkie. <laughs> That's a great thing. I love this. Yeah. I, I, I had a feeling, based on your background, that that was, like, behind you, that that's kind of the kind of thing you would be like, that's much more peaceful than any news channel. Yes. So, we, you have to learn, you know, you have to really become a, a student mm -hmm. of the times and learn people. And I force myself to listen and to watch influencers on cable media and across the internet that I don't agree with. I don't agree with their stances. Mm -hmm. I don't agree with a lot of solutions um, to problems that we're facing, but I have to listen to them to understand the other people that don't believe in what I believe in and see where we can find the common grounds. I have to step outside of my own echo chamber, anybody's echo chamber, all the information and put it together and make the best decision for the constituent of sin. And, you know, you mentioned about the, that people actually have more in common than Trump versus Biden, Democrat versus Republican. And I think people don't real, remember that in 2016... Donald Trump was seen as the most moderate Republican candidate that had run for president ever. Like, he ran on, I'm not going to make any changes to Medicare and Medicaid, which, like, Mitt Romney now seems like a Democrats love him, but everyone hated the fact that he was going to do all these things to social programs that Trump himself proudly said he was not going to do. So, you know, our politics are flipped in a way that they weren't not that long ago. And unfortunately, that has to deal with the grab of power. Mm -hmm. You know, let's go back 
let's let's go back another twenty years. Forget Trump was a registered Democrat, right? Yes. You know, he 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 wanted a power. There was a power grab there, and and he is an excellent, excellent um, person, as I call. He, he can gauge a room very well, mm-hmm. and wanted to be president of the United States. I believe that I strongly believe in my heart that if he thought that he could figure out a way to coalesce around the democratic message at the time and Hillary Clinton wasn't running, he would run as a Democrat. Yeah. I I don't think you're wrong. I think that if, if, I think that if he thought he could win by just telling people that they should all get cotton candy, he would run as the cotton candy guy and win. Like that's, that's a thing. So, Dinned up a bunch of issues and got a bunch of people riled up about whatever his and the uh, you know his his people were really good with analytics uh, during the 2016 cycle. They got a bunch of data together and said, "This is the, you push these buttons and these are the results that you'll get." And mm-hmm. he pushed each. Yep, I, I think you're right now. But you're running for the state legislature and. You know, Florida, obviously very divided, but also, you know, unless something big happens in the next election, good chance you are in the minority party. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that you're not, that you are the majority party, but that's, you know, an uphill climb. What do you hope that you can accomplish if you are successful and, and gain that seat? Um, one of the biggest things that I'm hopeful, I, I'm hoping that I can see that I can be successful in is changing the temperature mm-hmm. and you know i'm hopeful um because we have two strong uh gubernatorial candidates and we have a slate of fantastic people um uh, challenging all seats and how in, in the state legislature on the house and the senate side i'm hoping that we can narrow that majority or even you know prayfully take the take the majority but one of the things that I want to do, and I think one of the things that the people of Senate District 20 want me to do, is just go in there with a level head. You know, don't come in with these preconceived uh, notions about the other side. Don't be assumed that this bill won't pass because, you know, it doesn't pull well with this particular audience. They want me to be my authentic self and authentically mirror the values of Senate District 20 mm-hmm. instead of uh, being Mike Harvey's big reporter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that there are, you know, uh, some really good Democrats in Florida. I've mentioned Anna Eskimani, who I've had on here before. Um, and uh, oh. now it's been 17 years, but I worked for Senator Bob Graham for when he ran for president. Um, he was a, him and his family are f- terrific. I love the Graham family. And I actually got into the, the most people listening to this don't know, but I got in a huge car accident when I was on his campaign in Iowa and uh, totaled my car. And I didn't get a scratch. I totally like, rolled my car and I still was like, I'm going to go to his event because like there's not many times his family's going to be there. And they were all, how are you? Are you okay? You know, just very personable. And um, so lots of people to root for there, including, well, everyone outside of Florida, maybe not everyone, so many people are, you know, mocking the situation there because of the governor mocking things. You, you want to root for the people because they're human beings. Yeah, you definitely want to root, root for the people because they're human beings. And and talking to a lot of them and, and rooting, one of the big things that I'm against is I don't root for anybody that roots too hard for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and weeding out the 
people. We have some really, really great Democrats. You got uh, Val Demings, challenging Markle. Yeah. Love her to death. You got um, uh, Representative uh, Chris and Commissioner Free challenging Ron DeSantis. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, really genuine uh, Democrats down here that are putting up good fights and are showing uh, good numbers. So we have a path to victory. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a tremendous path to victory. Right now, our biggest obstacle is going to be redistricting. Yeah. Um, those maps have to change every 10 years. We're in a redistricting cycle. Every so That means every Senate seat, even uh, and evens, are all up for re-election in 2022. And we know who holds the pins to draw the maps right now. So that is our, our pre-election fright right there, is to, just to get a fair chance. If if Democrats were given a fair opportunity in Florida, I believe we would do a lot better. And for, so uh, the podcast is called You Should Run. I want to encourage people to not just get involved and donate and volunteer to things, but to also run for office, because you can't win seats if pe- good people don't run, like yourself. In most places, well, not most places, but in a lot of districts it's an uphill battle either their district is hard to win and it's going to take work or if they win like yourself the the republicans hold the majority so they will not they might not be the majority party so you got kentucky democrats you got um you know uh, south carolina democrats i've talked to why would you encourage people who are in these difficult situations to run for office and and put themselves out there like that um, I can't speak for everybody, but I can definitely speak for those that have children. Um, if you if you if you go to likemycarby.com, take a look at the E in my logo. There's five stars in it. Each one of those stars represent one of my children. I know that I may not be able to get everything I want accomplished in one election cycle, but maybe two or three or four election cycles down the line, Florida might be a uh, a lot different. It might be a much better state, more akin to the, the Florida you can remember from decades ago. So we have to use the Republican strategy instead of just thinking about this particular election cycle. We have to have we have to think about the end game, the long game, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm. I'm not in it for the right. I'm in it for those five stars in my logo, my children. I want to lead them a, a better Florida um, than they're growing up in right now. I that's a, the best reason. I, and I think about my kids when I do anything politically too. Just you know, I, I'm sure not only for the issues you're working on, but you obviously care about history. You talk about the things you watch, the kind of media you consume, watching Smithsonian Channel instead of watching junk like me. Um, but for me, I feel like I have to have set an example for them, and uh, I always bring them to vote. But I also know that stuffs. So in some ways, isn't as bad as people think, but also stuff is messed up, and I don't want them ten years yeah. later, ten years down the line, or now say, "Why didn't Why didn't you do anything?" Yeah, I, I don't want them to have the same conversation that I had with, <laughs> ironically, that I had with my father uh, about a year or so ago, and I asked him. I said, "You know, things kind of got this way on your watch, pops. <laughs> what What happened?" Yeah. I don't want my children having that conversation with me. Yeah, and it's much better to feel part of the solution than it is to feel like you're part of the problem. And, of course, Mike Harvey here is trying to be part of the solution by running for office. Um, And I I really appreciate your positive outlook on it. 
if people are listening and they want to learn more about you, um, where should they follow you on social media? Are there things that they should look forward to? Because I saw like you're going to have some updates in September on your website. You know, what's the best way that they can follow and learn more? Uh, yeah, um, everything about me is electmycarvey.com. The website is electmycarvey.com. Our Twitter handles electmycarvey. Um, our Instagram is electmycarvey, and so is our Facebook. Uh, we just took the website down a couple of days ago, so we can do some massive upgrades to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so more, uh, put more of our policy positions. Uh, people want specifics. I got specifics. I'm not an aspirational candidate. I'm a candidate about action and actionable items. Um, so we, we took the website down temporarily, but there's still a web page, uh, a landing page there where you can sign up, get uh, the newsletter and other things that we put out. So you like Mike Harvey uh, is, is the way to go. And the most important thing you have there, not that I, I don't advocate for donations or things here, candidates here, though. I don't know why I don't. Um, but is you have to, you can't have a campaign if you don't have a donate button. So you still have that up. Um, yep. Well, I really encourage everyone to follow Michael. This is the, these are the kind of candidates we need to run for office across the country. People who have a positive vision and uh, you know are putting in the the hard work. So, thank you, Michael, and I really wish you the best of luck both for your family and your health and everything going on there in Florida. Thank you so much. I, I reciprocate all of that positivity right back at you, and I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. Great. I'm still not going to root for Tampa Bay in any sports. Go Tom Brady. <laughs> uh, we're, for, we're from Philadelphia, and the Eagles are one of the few teams that could beat them in the, in the Super Bowl. So. I hear you loud and clear. All right, we'll talk to you soon, and best of luck in Florida. If you're listening, you should run for office as well.